the story this season is okay. What what is the front office going to do differently, or is this simply going to be a thing now where a manager starts to feel that pressure where he needs to win bigger? He starts to try to apply that pressure to the front office. As soon as that happens, he's gone. Somebody else who's grateful to have the job comes in. Is that going to be the treadmill now? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Joined this week, we already know because you heard his voice at the very beginning, so no pressure, Ben, but I need you to say something snappy that I can use as an intro. And, of course, I'm talking about... St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist, man of many podcasts, man of numerous chats, a man of multiple media outlets, Ben Fredrickson. Happy holidays, Ben. Happy holidays. Um, this this can be the part that you use to start the podcast because I'd like to hear from the listeners. Um, I'm in a dispute with my significant other, and it has to do with Christmas. I try to be very, um, I would say, you know, inclusive with my Christmas decorating, you know, I don't. I don't say much. Uh, whatever. Whatever she wants goes for the most part. But I want a Christmas leg, Christmas leg lamp from a Christmas story. A fragile leg. Yes. Major award lamp. It's one of my favorite Christmas movie. I watch it every Christmas. And I would like. There's a spot in my house. I like to put it in the second story window, so it can illuminate <laughs> the street. I won't even take the major window downstairs. And and I'm being told no. And it's really causing a rift. So I want to hear from the listeners if they think I'm being out of line or if they think that I should uh, continue this uh, request. How, how should they let you know? Tweet me or, or comment on the podcast. They can find me on email. Jump in the chats at stltoday.com. I don't ask for much. I mean, maybe a book. You know, I, I got everything I need, but except for a leg lamp that I want to display in my second story window. My neighbors think it's a great idea. It wouldn't offend anyone. It's beautiful. It's a work of art. It immediately lets people know you love the movie, which is the best Christmas movie of all time. It's undisputed, um, and and I really think that uh, I really think I need it. And I think if I don't get it this year, I'm just going to buy it for myself, and then I'll just leave it up all year round. Oh my god! So wait, that's the ultimate. That is the best ultimatum. Give this to me for Christmas, and I will only use it at Christmas. Make me buy it, and it's there all year round. That's a, that's bold. I think I just talked myself into it. Maybe get like a spotlight to put on it. You know, I have a whole room. And my neighbor said, well, what if you get like the Christmas lights? You know, they actually make the miniature versions you can put on your tree. Yeah, I've seen that. No, I want the full-sized, like legitimate, actual leg-sized lamp with the fishnet stockings and the, the, uh, you know, the the shade. Mm -hmm. It looks like a little lace. You know, this is, it's, it's really not asking much. I don't ask for much, Derek. You know this. I'm pretty agreeable. You are, yeah. 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 Would you travel to spring training with it? Or, 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 or would you be forced to travel to I spring training to. with it? I think I might have to because if I don't, it might be broken upon my return. You know, like, did you ever have goldfish growing up? Yeah. And your your goldfish would one day just you come home from school and the goldfish would be dead. Mm-hmm. But it would be gone. And your mom would be like, well, I was just cleaning the... Um, you know, the tank, and, and it jumped out, and it, it went down the drain. And you get older in life, and you realize your mom was tired of feeding the goldfish, and she just kind of gave it the old flush. I, I No, I that didn't. That didn't happen to you? Well, I don't. I never put it together till What? You never see, actually see the goldfish jump out of the tank. It just happens when, no one, when you're never home. That's what I realized in my older years. That might happen to the leg lamp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to. To take some time to process this because I hadn't hadn't really thought about that. We should talk some baseball. Yeah. So uh, 
uh, made mention of the fact that your leg lamp might have to go to spring training. We don't know if we'll go to spring training. Biggest story of the year. You know, I wanted to have you on to kind of talk about the year in review. Biggest story of the year is the lockout, I guess, even though we saw it coming. Is that, as far as baseball goes, is that is that right? Does that feel right? I think so. I mean, look, this is a the first work stoppage in a long time. Um, it's not to the point now where I think folks saw it coming and they understood it. It really was not going to lead to any real progress before the holidays, right? So I think the gnashing of teeth has been at a minimum, and it should be. Um, I'm not saying that the players and the owners shouldn't have worked on these issues sooner. They should have. But I think that you know, folks who are reading between the lines here know that the big stuff will come later. The the pressure on both sides is going to build as the season starts. So it doesn't feel like a massive story right now because it's not in season, right? But that's why it's happening now. Um, and that's why Rob Manfred decided to, to bring the lock the lockout on is because he feels like they hopefully can get things squared away before this really starts getting ugly. But yeah, anytime you have a lockout, it's it's got to be the biggest story. Um, and it's it could be a massive story if they can't find some common ground here pretty soon. It doesn't sound like they've been working on it much entering the holiday season, but that's not too surprising. I mean, in a way, some of the things that are going on are, are encouraging. You know, I talked with Andrew Miller um, shortly after he returned home from the negotiations there in Dallas. And, you know, there was just like – and he gave some really good insight into, like, what they were talking about, how they were talking, and not specifics, but just this notion of, like, why both sides and, – and I had another – I was able to talk with somebody on the other side, too. And I, I could see how both sides had that same feel of we're not moving in any direction. And it's like, well, because this – you know this economic structure and this economic change is important to the players and they don't want to move off of it and as of today they have no reason to and the owners don't find that palatable and want to find an alternative thing and want to keep pressing on what they want and have no reason to adjust at this point so i could see where you would see like a, a deadly embrace of some sort where they're just not moving well all that talk was on the economic stuff there is other things for them to negotiate. Um, Rob Manfred brought it up that they took the rule changes off the table. You know, way inside baseball, there's also the health and safety protocols that have to be looked at and adjusted and now are a bigger thing than ever as we see what the NHL, the NFL, and the NBA is going through and how they define what is an outbreak, how to deal with an outbreak, how to continue on with an outbreak, how small of a roster is too small of a roster as the English Premier League is kind of dealing with as well. Those things have to be negotiated as well as things like access and all that stuff. So if there's something that's encouraging, Ben, it's it's that at least there seems to be conversation on that. These things that are off the economic track that they can agree on or they take the rules off the table, maybe they can make progress on that so that once the economic thing is decided on you, they're not rushing through this stuff. This stuff can actually get some attention. And then come January, as the clock really starts to tick louder, they get into the economic stuff. Yeah, two schools of thought there. Okay, that's the there's the big economic thing we're going to fight tooth and nail about. So let's put that on the side and let's, let's get to the stuff we can actually agree on. But then you can also see the argument that says those other things will sort themselves out once the, the big hairy topic is, is solved. And it kind of seems like the owners are leaning toward, hey, let's get all these other things figured out. And the players are saying, we really don't have much to figure out until we figure out mm. the big thing. And we're kind of seeing this dance. But I don't think anybody really expected much 
to happen before the holidays. Um, you know, the no. ho- after the holidays is when you're going to start to to get into some of this stuff. And you've done a great job. I mean, the first you said this very clearly at the at the sports on tap thing we had, where it's like you laid out the schedule. Regular season starts here, takes more or less three weeks a month to get ready. When you start pushing up against that timeline, that's when things are going to get very serious because. As you've noted, that's when the money really starts being mm-hmm. lost. The owners lose some money if there's not a real spring training, but not enough to really motivate them. The players lose none because they don't get paid for it. I don't think that either side wants to significantly impact their ability to make money in 2022, and I think that is, above all, the best motivation mm-hmm. for these guys. And maybe in some ways, you know, not to, to sound shallow, but if the pandemic helped these negotiations in any way – Perhaps that that um, you know inkling that that there was an impacted business, there was an impacted bottom line for everybody, maybe motivates them to not you know cut off their nose to, to spite their face more this time around. So, you know, the one thing that that I have tried to understand, and and it really you know it, it gets into the labor issues pretty well on the economic side is, you know, the, the owners seem willing to say, hey, we will give every team basically a, a line they have to spend to. And in theory, that sounds kind of like it could do a lot of good. I mean, we're talking about teams that aren't trying to win. And if they do have to spend to a certain level, then they would have to intentionally try to spend money poorly in order to not compete. So in theory, I like that idea. But the more and more you read into it, it then becomes, well, then where does that money come back around for the owners and it you know it does it become in a, in a cap system or i mean the luxury tax is already being treated more or less like a cap but that could even become lower or where would the where would the players lose money in what ways and it, it always seems like the owners are willing to say we'll give you that if x y and z and and i thought that the explanation i read the best so far has said that the owners are, are willing from what they're saying to redistribute mm-hmm. how the players make their money and the players are adamant that they want to increase the amount of money they can make. Right. And that's that's where this is going to come down to nuts and bolts. But it does seem to me like the players are saying the right things in terms of what they're looking at. Um, you know, they're, they're not trying to defend bad money anymore. They're trying to direct money to places it needs to go based off what we've seen in the trends. Younger players get, getting more sooner. You know, free agency faster. All those things are compelling points. Yeah, and they're 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 learning to me. To me, it seems like the players are learning to negotiate like the owners have for years. And I think that's why we're going to see more cutthroat negotiations because I think the players have gotten a little bit smarter and they're motivated by what they felt like was a regrettable CBA they signed last time around. But they can't carry that baggage into this negotiation. Mm-hmm. That's bad negotiation. They signed that deal. They might not have liked it and they might have got worked over on it, but they signed it. Nobody made them, so they can't. They have to negotiate off of what they want, not what they didn't get the last time around. One thought about that is that they can't get all they lost back on one. Right. They have to play the long game to get it back over time, just as the owners gained ground over time. It wasn't all in one CBA. If the if the players do it incrementally, you know they, they do incremental wins. You know then you talk about a better system for the players two CBAs out and that's not ideal for the young guys right now 
but that is part of the conversation is that you, you know, Andrew Miller used that phrase. He goes, you know, we're negotiating something now with the idea that it should be able to benefit the high schoolers who are there, who are going to take our place in, in the next generation, which is interesting. And I think that's a smart way for them to think, because I think for too long they were worried about getting as much money as possible for guys on the wrong side of 30 and that baseball is not going to pay those guys as much anymore so yeah. get it earlier because they will pay that so that's that's good sign and i also say this they both both have to realize like i think average joe public baseball fan most most of them i think are tuned out to who who is quote unquote right in this mm-hmm. and, and i think especially whether it's pandemic burnout on top of the usual angst that comes with labor talks there just seems to be a, a distaste for this topic in terms of who's going to get what and who's going to win right. and they're already doing this thing where they're pandering to the fans you know rob manfred's love letter to, to baseball fans about how the owners are trying to give them a product they love and then you know the, the counter from scherzer and, and these guys that they're they're fighting for the for the you know competitive value of baseball I wish they would all tone that down a little bit mm-hmm. because if they were truly prioritizing what the average fan cares about, they would be prioritizing some other topics, I think. And we would be hearing more about, you know, things that, that we hear about from fans every day on Twitter and yeah. the chats. And they're not torn up about, you know, how the revenue plot pie gets split up. They want to be able to see games. They want shorter games. They want more action in games. And they want a lot of the things that we're not exactly hearing that much about. I wanted to spend the bulk of this podcast though talking about the year in review for the cardinals the the biggest story in baseball the lockout and and the details we just offered but on a more cardinal focused basis there are three stories that in any other year or a lot of other years would have been the biggest story of a non-championship year and those three are the 17 game winning streak which set a franchise record and was the longest that late in the season since 1935 in the national league the acquisition of Nolan Arenado and taking on the largest contract then in club history, and then the firing of Mike Schilt. In any other years that don't end with a World Series parade down market, one of those would have been the, the top story of the year. How do you make a choice this year as to which one was the biggest one? Well, um, I think the Cardinals kind of came in late and grabbed the, the, the last headline and made it the biggest. When you change a manager um, as the St. Louis Cardinals, you've secured the biggest story of of your season and of your next season when you introduce a new one. So that, to me, is the biggest story. Look, the Cardinals manager is one of the most discussed discussed about, um, argued with, agreed with, polarizing or supported or ripped figure in, in the city. And now there's a new one. So, you know, the, the switch from Mike Schilt to Ali Marmol, that to me is is bigger than the 17-game winning streak. Um, it, it is bigger than a playoff appearance. And, and clearly it was to the Cardinals or else they would, have made, they would not have made the change. So they went through that season, felt good leaving it, and then all of a sudden decided to take a different direction. So that's the story. Um, who is Ali Marmol? We know him, but who is he as the Cardinals manager? Mm-hmm. Um, it's different when you're sitting in the big chair and, and the general fan base not not as much aware of him, so they get to learn about him. And we get to see you know, if it's a move that was made to, um, to, to help personalities or to help a baseball team win. Um, that's, that's really what's going to be measured this season. And, you know, it's crazy. You think of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina coming back together for one more ride, and it's like, 
if we were building this out in terms of a notebook, it would be like the dot, dot, dots at the end. <laughs> it's, yeah. That was kind of supposed to be, we thought, maybe the theme of, of, of next season. Um, I thought Nolan was probably the most um, important sports figure in St. Louis this year. Um, clearly, the Cardinals moved the needle. And I thought he was really good. Um, you know, there's so much talk about his opt-out and did he really want to be here? Did he not? And he, he never skipped a beat on that. He said so from, from day one that he came here and knowing what it's about and wanted to be here, he backed that up. His play was – it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty dang good um, on both sides. And he held up outside of Coors Field. The shoulder – remember when we were yeah. wondering about the shoulder? It stayed healthy. Great point. And, and he looks like he's going to be – be here for for a while and you know they have to try you know they hate the idea of windows but with one more year for Yachty and Molina and Adam Wainwright with with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado not in their you know I guess you would call it the dusk of their prime perhaps or starting it at least um they they I have Arenado's in his prime okay I mean, yeah on the on the uh on the on the downward slope beginning it maybe I mean, it I don't know. It depends on what we know yeah. about age. Goldschmidt is. I mean, he might be in the mesa of his okay. prime. Okay, well, Goldschmidt is one step, one step ahead of him, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I don't think Adam's going to go until he's forty-five. Maybe he will. Um, we just, we just don't know. That poor dog, those kids want, is just going to keep getting pushed back year after year. <laughs> but I mean, it's a real shot, and, and and they should be. You know, they could be a good team next year. Now. I'm not ready to say I think they're a World Series team. I, I don't think the roster suggests that yet. They they should win this division based off of what we're seeing some other teams in it do. But, uh, you know, it it's a big, big storyline is what does Ali Marmol do with this team? And uh, do the Cardinals make the right decision in throwing Schilt overboard and going with a guy that they knew was going to be a manager sooner or later, whether it was here or somebody else? You touch on something that leads to, like, a, a bigger question is that you're right, like, there's a lot of debate about the lineups. There's a lot of debate about anything that the manager does with, um, you know, with the bullpen. They'll be, you know, in 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 some ways, though I would contend they're they're different. In some ways, Schultz's last move as manager, bringing in Reyes at the end of the wild card game, will echo in the same way that Matheny bringing in Waka. You know, against the Giants back in '14, um, will echo. Um, you know, I think that there's something to that because the, you know both. I think they're different, but I could see how they'll be treated the same. So the focus that is on the manager that it invites me to ask this question: Should it be that way, or should the fact that the front office made this move with the manager at the time that they did after the season they had with so much optimism going forward and into the off season should maybe we just talk about the front office in those in that same tone i mean should should the next year be like okay hey look new manager but ever that so much of the attention be on not the moves that he made with the bullpen but, hey, why doesn't he have somebody better in the bullpen to call on? Or not the changes in the lineup? Shouldn't it be, hey, why doesn't he have somebody better to put in? Maybe maybe we should change the tone of the conversation and be, have it be more front office centric. Because isn't that what they want? I mean, they, they sure seem to want a lot of credit. Mo, Mo, Moselle wants a lot of credit, you know, and he's put a lot of stock in his now third hand-picked manager. So maybe we should... To put it blunt, follow the Cardinals' lead and pay as much attention to the front office as they want. 
paid attention to it? Oh, they don't want attention paid to it when things aren't going well. Um, and yeah, yeah, they don't want uh, they don't want a manager pointing that out clearly, or else Mike Schilt would probably still have a job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, um, that might have been a little too uh, too straightforward. Uh, look, part of the reason Schilt is gone, and there are a whole lot of reasons, um, you know, and and they all get lumped together. But part of the reason well, that they shouldn't. I mean, we can we can part of the reason yeah. was the fact that he was becoming willing to to say, hey. You know, I don't know how many times he said versions of "We have what we have. We're doing the best we have with what we can," and it was as it was as blatant as a Cardinals manager is going to get, um, except for like standing in the in the pregame huddle with a "send help" sign around his neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was kind of blunt that he didn't think the front office was moving fast enough, and the front office doesn't like to be told how fast it should move, um, especially by the manager. And you know, to- what Tony Larusa could get away with uh, is not going to be allowed by another Cardinals manager. Um, and there's not going to be another Cardinals manager who has that kind of leverage to use it in the way that Tony did because he will not get a chance to create it. So, and I don't mean this and people go, well, now you're saying Oliver Marmol is a yes man. No, I'm not. I'm saying he's an up-and-coming, talented guy who is going to be a manager somewhere, and now he has to try to figure out a better way to walk that really fine line um, that Schilt got you know, knocked off of for, for various reasons. That wasn't the only reason Schilt's gone, but it, it is one of them. He was starting to, to push back on some things. So, yes, it does not take um, responsibility or it does not undermine Ali Marmol to say that the front office is in the spotlight now. Um, you know, just as, you know, we've seen now the the discussion has changed, rightfully so, from, you know, it's about what the manager does with the roster, but it's also about the roster the front office gives. And I think that that was really, really became the topic of discussion last season when we saw the pitching just bottom out. Yeah. Cratered in June. Saw, Cratered. And then you saw how much better things got when they made some belated moves. Put the defense to work and got some depth and avoided a crisis. And the the, the, the line from the front office was, well, we couldn't have made moves earlier because we, it, it was impossible. But I don't know. Wade LeBlanc happened. True. And yeah. that's just not the way it works. That that didn't stop the Brewers. No one else making moves didn't stop the Brewers from at, from going out and getting a really good player who helped turn their season around. Just because other teams are not making moves doesn't mean you can't. Um, and that's, I think, going to be the, the, the idea for the front office. Okay, you've got a manager you think will work better, um, but what kind of roster are you going to give him? Because look, with what we've seen the past few seasons and this trend of – either not upgrading the team once the season starts or making minor moves that some have worked really well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Cardinals have – they can't do two things. They can't say we are legitimately trying to win a division and compete for a World Series while also saying we are more or less going to ride with the roster we got from spring training and not significantly upgrading it, even if it, even if it makes us pay – a pretty penny during the course of the season because you can look at the teams that are winning World Series. And you've written this article um, laying it out year by year, the moves that were made in season for mm-hmm. teams that are going deep. Now, making a big move doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a World Series, but it sure seems like the teams that are winning World Series have made some pretty, um, I would say, uh, some pretty onion onionsy moves over the course of the year to, mm-hmm. to, to bolster their team. I mean, Atlanta certainly Atlanta is a perfect yeah. example. They had, you know, Ozuna gets in trouble, he's gone, Acuna gets hurt, um, and, and their season looked over. And they said, you know what, we got a shot in the division, let's let's just replace our whole outfield. And it looked kind of twice over at the time, but 
I mean, I think they're happy they did it. Yeah. So it's not a guarantee of, hey, you know, do that and you'll win the World Series. But that kind of urgency, that kind of um, that that desire, we haven't seen that from the Cardinals since they were making deep runs. And, and I think it's fair. You know, they get mad because I talk about, you know, we talk about the 10-year without a championship. It's now 10 going on 11. But, you know, the fans and the media, they're not the ones who put the, the ballpark village commissioner's trophy statue up. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to play both ways. You don't get to put a two two story stat- statue of the of the ultimate prize in Ballpark Village, and then get uh, annoyed when people bring up that it's been you know going on eleven years for the team that's won most in the National League. So I think people are, especially people who didn't like the Schilt firing, or still don't really understand why it went down for lack of our attempts to explain it as best we can. I, I think that there is more pressure. From the fans, from should be from the media to 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 do things in a more aggressive manner to try to get back to deep postseason contention. And and Ali is not not a part of it. He doesn't get like you know you know the ultimate free pass. But I do think that the story this season is okay. What what is the front office going to do differently, or is this simply going to be a thing now where the manager starts to feel that pressure where he needs to win bigger? He starts to try to apply that pressure to the front office. As soon as that happens, he's gone. Somebody else who's grateful to have the job comes in. Is that going to be the treadmill now? So it will be the hamster wheel. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, it could be. I, I think that it's interesting that the, the moves made at the trade deadline, uh, again, uh, you know, the way they worked out would have been a, a bigger story in many other years, except for this year was overloaded with with prominent stories. Um, you know, the acquisition of Lester and the acquisition of Hap, both of whom pitched really well. And then the, the claims uh, and signing of Garcia, who's with the Padres, and McFarlane, who's back. Um, you know, all of those certainly could be seen as clever and savvy moves by the front office that worked out. However, I do think they also underscore the lack of action earlier and in some ways are more a compliment or more a referendum on the coaching staff and the team than on the front office that made those deals. Like, look, they stunned Minnesota by being willing to trade for Hap. So while that was a, a clever get and it and it proved smart, and it also was something that the Cardinals openly acknowledged. Remember, I mean, Mozellock said that day, this is to get through. This this was a survive move, not a thrive move. It was like getting socks on Christmas. Like, oh, I'll use these. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. I mean, it was just, it was sold that way. So it was. Now, it was sold now it's a bit of retroactive. We made some really yeah. good. Moves. Look at our eyes. We did, but, but let's remember how they were pitched. But they they made good moves because they got the group and talent that then the coaching staff put together that the defense then worked with. I mean, you you talked to Lester. They also looked so good because. The pitching had gotten so bad. Well, that's part of it. But like, like listen, like listen to what Lester said. Lester was like, you know, getting a chance to see Adam Wainwright and talk to him, and needed confidence to because the confidence I had was in my cutter, but that was a younger man's pitch for me. I needed confidence from somewhere else. Mike Maddox helped think how this is how I can use my pitches differently. You know, Yadier Molina being there to tell. You know, all these reasons why Hap and McFarland and Garcia. Um, you know, and Lester succeeded largely because of the defense behind them um, and a lot because of the catcher in front of them were there in June. 
that, that was there for the front office to take advantage of in June. That coaching staff didn't change. You know, there were discussions about possibly changing, about making some moves, about firing. And, you know, Marmol, by all intents and purposes, played a part in bridging those gaps. And then the second half became like a testament of what they could do working together. <coughs> better offense, better pitching. And so it's like, well, if the front office had made those moves early, even like the way they worked out is a reminder of what could have been had they taken advantage of the defense and the coaching staff they had earlier by making a move. Yeah, and and everything else, I mean, their other their other bets more or less paid off. Their outfield that was the big question during spring training. Absolutely, yeah. it was a plus. You, you There's saw, another story. You saw what they what they did there, and and it, and the defense it worked. The the offense found a a groove after looking <laughs> looking very bad for too long, and and albeit the credit for who that for that where that resurgence came from depends on who you ask, but it did come. Now we'll see if it lasts. <laughs> well, but isn't there a lot of truth in the that it was the group? I mean, it any change to the offense, whether it started with Schilt saying. It started publicly with Schilt going, we're too one-dimensional. This has got to change. And then they could not. And then Edmund talked about the preparation before the game. And they could not deny what we knew were pretty, you know, were meetings with friction where there's some, where things got, you know, there were arguments on that coming out of the Atlanta-Detroit road trip. I mean, they, they like Schilt acknowledged, like, well, we couldn't, say it didn't happen because it did so we might as well talk publicly about the change and then you had to have buy-in so isn't it i mean i i get what you're saying that like it depends on who you ask like who gets credit is it schilt because he brought it up is it marmol because he helped kind of bridge the gap a little bit is it the analytics because they came in is it jeff albert because that's his job because it's working you know with the hitting coach is it you know is it Packy because he was able to translate all this stuff, or is it the players for having buy-in and the or players for saying, "Well, I'm going to go up my way." I mean, isn't it just the concert of it all? It's it's everybody was involved, and they all decided to move in the same direction as opposed to right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, I think this year will be a better answer of if if what happened last season was a the Cardinals locking in with with that kind of Albert's philosophy and finding their groove with it mm-hmm. or if it was a turn away from it that was retroactively praised as a pivot into it I don't know I don't I, mean, I, I have a hard time lining up what was said privately and what was reported in real time with whatever source you want to go with and that like I, I have a Which one? W- and saying that like it's retroactively being applied to Albert. You know, what he was talking about the team needing to do in spring and what he felt they were doing well in spring lined up with what they eventually did in July. It was getting there where they were kind of one-dimensional and he acknowledged too and this is something that schilt touched on and it's actually something that marmol mentioned is the messaging had to improve and marmol thinks the messaging can still improve you know he's had some time here to 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 be in st louis to meet with you know mosaic and and stuff like that and that's one of the things that like he has talked about is like they they as a group could improve 
some of the messaging they did. And he didn't say specifically what he was talking about, but that's what he's talking about. I mean, he's talking about how Albert relates to, um, you know, the, 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 the players. And that, that's where like they had the discussion about like adding a former player in and, you know, all this. And that's why they got Turner Ward coming in because he's been in the box. He, he is it, Paul Goldschmidt and him go way back. There's a lot of trust there. You can bet that if a guy has Goldschmidt's trust, there's going to be a cascade effect. You're going to get Arenado's trust. You're going to get Paul DeYoung's trust. You're going to have Dylan Carlson's trust, you know, I mean, and on and on and on, you know, I mean, the Turner Ward bringing that, that voice in will be a big part of this. Yeah. I just know that there was a clear line of demarcation from when they were like, Hey, we have stopped paying attention to some, what should be some pretty basic tenants of trying to hit. Yeah. And then when they started going, Oh, we should probably try to do, things a little differently in two strike counts or when runners yeah. are on base. Um, now who kind of instigated that come to Jesus? Some say Schilt, some say it was a good group, some say it was you know, I don't know. Again I, mean, I think it was Schilt led by players, so, right. the, so the, the answer is both. So who gets the who I don't know. So who gets the credit? I maybe it doesn't matter. Well it needed Marmol then to to connect. Like I just, I just, I'm not in on Albert, dude. I'm not. No, I know, and, I and that's fine. I don't. Uh, I just need to see. I didn't say his name in that. Right, in that no, no. But, but it's. It seems to me, like here's this weird thing that happens with Albert. I'm not saying you do this, but it's the Cardinals doing this, where it's like everything good that happens is like, well, yeah, this is what Albert's talking about, and then everything negative that happens when they can't score, when they leave a guy on third base, then it's then it's never. It's never ever the hitting coach. So just as the hitting coach can never get praised, only only criticism and, and only praise, he can't. It can't also be the opposite. I totally agree so with it you. Seems yeah. To me, like they, like, and I don't know if this is part of what. I mean, Shilton and Albert clearly had tension. I mean, that yeah. was a, one of the things in the gumbo pot of of absolutely demise for sure. And and Mosellock is very much on the record of this. He believes in this. In Albert's approach, he wants to see this through. He thinks it's more than at the major league level. And and to Albert's credit, you look at what some of the young guys, some impact guys like Jordan Walker are doing, and you go, okay, that that looks really good. So maybe it just takes time for it to to roll through. But uh, it does seem like you know the the insistence that Albert's way is going to work drowns out anything that doesn't match up for the with 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 that narrative and i guess what i wonder about is what would have happened if that if if the manager stepping in saying this can't this isn't working where would they have gone if that would not have happened i don't know and and so i don't know then to look at what did happen after that Mm -hmm. then then okay so did it work or not work was it a success or was it the was it the was the stepping back from the process that led to the success or was it that intervention that led to then a, a better blend? And maybe that's the, that's the answer. Maybe that's the answer. But then, but then also then it can't just be simply credit. Can't go to exactly specifically Albert. And, and I don't that, want to, that's one of my whole point. Yeah. I think the Cardinals do the Cardinals but don't pay attention to what oh, no, the, no. the Cardinals want to sell tickets no, and not I'm talk. They, the Cardinals don't get to choose. They are saying, "Well, this is Albert's. This is Albert's. This is Albert breaking through," and I'm like, "Well, I just don't know if I, I don't think that meshes with what actually happened." Yeah. And also the fact that the guy's in what is it? You know, year four? Is it year four or five? Mm-hmm. Where year four? Where they're still talking about communication problems. 
with a hitting coach. That's like something you might say after a guy's been there for half a season. At the All-Star break, you're like, yeah. I mean, hitting coaches get fired in this sport every year. Mm-hmm. Guys who, who usually get scapegoated for offenses that aren't that bad. And it's year four. And, and, and the Cardinals are still just openly acknowledging that their hitting coach has communication problems with players and that the message isn't getting through. Like, some guys' major league careers are over in four years. Players. Mm-hmm. So this idea that, well, we'll just get those cleaned up. Yeah. I, don't, I'm not, that, I, I think that that's maybe a little bit of uh, – it's a little bit misleading sometimes what they're saying about this. It, it's like not an – everybody's like, well, I'm an Albert Basher. I'm not. I just look at the numbers and I see the I see the I see him got a lot better last year, but to me, and maybe I'm faulty in where I put the, the starting point of that turnaround, to me it was when the manager and some players started saying this what we're doing isn't working. So what what they were doing before, you know, that can't that can't guys get glossed over. So now no, to me, the question is like, okay, now Schilt's out of it. Um, the players they've have found a better blend clearly. How much did Schilt play in that? Maybe nothing. And if they hit like Banshees this year, then then it was clearly whatever happened that led to that click. But I need to see what happens after that before we say, okay, you know, before I'm believing what they are saying about this. Two thoughts on this. One, I understand what you're saying. They, 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 if the Cardinals are if the Cardinals are trying to sell that, then I'll be honest. Then I'm I kind of tune out. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Like I'll, I'm just I'll admit it here. They some of the Cardinals may listen to some of the Cardinals brass may listen to it, but if they start going, I mean, look, I have a terrible poker face. They can watch my eyes roll, and I'm out. I'm 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 thinking of my next question um, because my I would rather hear from and had and through the year had a chance to talk to Jeff Albert about this and and about what they were trying to do um, and the players about like where some of the disconnect was and you know. We can get into the Pandora's box of the of the of the ballpark. You know, there was definitely some sense from hitters about how do you succeed at a ballpark that is suppressing power, and how what, what do you do? How do you go about that in an era where this approach is widespread in baseball, and it absolutely doesn't exactly work at Bush Stadium? So, what do you do as a hitter then? And you're right. I mean, it is a blend of those things that took off. The other part of this that is a huge one is the Cardinals are all, and you mentioned the Mosaic, is all in and out. One of the reasons why is because they felt they were very far behind. They felt that other teams had a competitive edge with their approach offensively, and they were behind on it, the behind on the use of analytics, behind on the use of technology. They they spoke candidly, and they also spoke privately about how their infrastructure was just behind. They still don't have the pitching lab that Mosellock dreamed of, but they do have the hitting lab. And it, it should not be lost, as you mentioned, like um, current Met, you know, Plummer is off uh you know, now he's gone off, the, and the Mets signed him. Maybe, maybe <clears throat> in response to the Cardinals signing Mats, which is one of the more fascinating things. Go, but anyway, um, former first rounder Plummer was uh, was there at that hitting lab with Albert, along with some of these other guys, Delvin Perez, um, and a handful of these guys that really had strong years as a result. You know, I mean, you you cannot see what Gorman did, what Newt Bar did, what. You know, dumb present all right here, but what Alec Burleson did and what Juan Yepes did, what Brandon Donovan did, and what Nolan Gorman did. I mean, Nolan Gorman 
started his Cardinal career as one of the top power prospects. And now he's like a far more well-rounded hitter without losing that power. So you have to give some credit there. I, I bring oh, that a up. A lot of credit there. And I the bring question, that up. The question, I think, right now the biggest question with Albert is, did they make a mistake by having him in the Major League dugout instead of taking over right. a group, a young group, and coming up with them? That's That that could be the ultimate question. And if the ultimate answer is that they, they started him at the Major League side too soon, but all these guys rise up to save him, to meet him, that might be what happens. But I bring all that up because I wonder if in their commitment to catching up, they are now going to fall behind again because they've given this so much time. You know, like if you bring a guy in to catch you up to what teams are doing in 2019, 2020, and it arrives on your shores, you know, it comes to your team in 2025 when the rest of the league has, or 2024, when the rest of the league has moved on to the next new, new thing, or pitchers have adapted and now all of a sudden, you know, the sinker's back in play or whatever, then how good does a 20, how good does a 2020 offense look? in 2024 2025 and are you just back where you started i i I, the cardinals are seeking that edge that they once had they want to find it offensively where they continue to have it pitching wise and where schilt helped create it defensive wise and which he got no credit for right (laughs) that was the most sorry i didn't mean to interject no that's all right i just think it's fascinating that like they they were behind yeah and their 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 commitment is clearly a we're gonna catch up well, what happens if you catch up to 2020, 2021, five years after that happened? Yeah. Then was it worth it? Yeah, there have been five different baseballs since then. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm being a, yeah, I'm being a smartass. Um, one thing they shouldn't give up on, though, is is throwing strikes and not walking people. Right. So I, I think those things could be maybe balanced a little bit better. I'm they are so, known for good pitching, too. I'm At least so they, glad you brought that up because I, I think about like the, the fact that like all June, it's like, when are they going to add a pitcher? When are they going to add a pitcher? They need to add a pitcher. they got to go find a guy who throws strikes. Goodness, just find somebody who's there. Oh, Wade LeBlanc, this is a good pick, you know, good job. You know, it it cracks me up that, you know, all spring we were asking about the pitching depth and why don't you go get Jake Odorizzi. And we were told just like Jake Odorizzi was told, I talked to him at the World Series, we like the guys we have. We we like the guys we have. We like the depth that they have. And and it made, like, I can't remember the number of times on Zoom. I was like, that just doesn't compute. Like, what are you seeing that we aren't? You could, like, Miles Michaelis hasn't thrown a bullpen yet. And then when he tried, he looked uncomfortable I mean, granted, I was watching through a chain-link fence a football field away, but I could tell that he looked uncomfortable, and I'm just a baseball rider. So I, it just didn't compute. And so it cracked me up that eventually you know, I asked, was this four weeks too late? And Mozilla kind of acknowledged, yeah, okay, it is. So what do they do? They go and get matched right off the hop. It's like it's like oh, okay, well that's 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 lesson in action. You know, they went and got a guy. Now was it Marcus Stroman? Or no, it wasn't. Will Matts be as good as Marcus Stroman? He might. He, he, he probably could be right. Like Stroman pitching for a lousy Cubs team. If they're going to be a lousy Cubs team for half a season, right before he gets flipped to another team, possibly. 
versus Matt's for a full season. I mean, you can make that argument, but it doesn't matter. The lesson was learned that they move fast to get the pitcher who's going to provide them innings, which is something they did not do during the season. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, and, and maybe could even afford to, to add some more Yeah, there. I mean, with, with Matt's injury history and the injury history of the group he's joining, I like the Matt's pickup. It's not going to make people rush to go buy Christmas tickets, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to necessarily if they – if they do some other things, I think Matt's, Matt's and Matt's alone would be pretty underwhelming. But to get him in seemed to be an affordable rate, um, especially with some of the crazy money that was that was going around. I mean, I make the case and and will again. And you know, ever we were watching the Cardinals start to have warning lights at spring training. You know, Michaelis is messed up. Kim's back is being weird, and we go to um, we go to Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, and Max Scherzer is there just cutting the Cardinals off at their knees, leaving them bloody stumps, walking back to the dugout, grunting and growling, and we're like, oh, man, if the Nationals stink, the Cardinals should go get Scherzer at the deadline. And ironically, because the Cardinals did not upgrade their pitching depth earlier, they were not in a realistic position to go get Scherzer at the deadline. I mean, even if they wanted Great point. to, they could not have. Ju- and I would not have. You couldn't justify that trade with what, obviously, with what the Dodgers gave up. But they they took themselves out of that race before they could have even been in it. And yeah. the Nationals did their part by falling apart. And all of a sudden, L.A. gets the guy that, that should have been right there for the Cardinals because the Cardinals didn't do enough to even be within that realm. So to me, Scherzer looked like okay, you've you've missed a chance to get him once. You admitted it was a mistake. You took yourself out of the running to get him again. This Scherzer to me would have been a home run, and I know he got paid a ton of money for an older pitcher. But you know, to me, the idea of Scherzer and Wainwright was just way, way compelling. I thought it would have been great, and plus he's really good, really good against the Central. So I, I would have loved to see that. But I'm not. I don't hate the match deal, and especially with the defense. To me, it's kind of like you know the Mike Leak deal. It reminds me of that. But actually, oh, that has, turned out really good. Has the defense that Mike Leake was supposed to. Oh, have. right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there Mike Leake didn't work. Well, not being able to get along with Yachty never really works for a pitcher <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But but also the defense was was for, for lack of a better word ass. And, wow. <laughs> and and you could just see him being like, "What am I doing here? They got they brought me in. I'm a ground ball pitcher, and these guys can't field ground balls." And it was just like Mike Leake was like, "Is this? Am I being punked?" Yeah. And and it just got it went downhill from there. But maybe Matt's is Leak with the defense that he was supposed to have. And if if he is, then that can work. That's a great point, and also very descriptive. <laughs> That's why you're a columnist. Well done. Uh, the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home came out. I had a chance to see it. I'm um, not gonna. It's amazing. It was Is that amazing. What he tells people when he's blocking the plate. No way home. Yeah, thwip, thwip. No way home. Yeah, that's what he should do. The man behind the mask says no way home. Um, but I, you know, it deals with the multiverse and the, and the way you described it. That is just fascinating to me. You're right. By not making a move earlier um, in June, the the Cardinals really gave up the def, the the division run. Um, they just fell too far behind. Scherzer had all the power to determine where he wanted to go. You know, he was there. There was not an interest in going to the Cardinals. There was an interest in going west because he saw the hundred win potential out there in San Francisco, L.A. 
and the Padres at the time before they became the Cardinals and their pitching just absolutely cratered and they were scrambling going for Jake Arietta and everything like that. I mean, there's, there's real similarities there. So that means that there is somewhere in the multiverse because at the trade deadline, you'll recall the Cardinals also kind of explored what shortstops were available. They were, you know, the, uh, Paul DeYoung was struggling. They turned to Edmondo Sosa. They looked at like, well, what short-term shortstop options are there out there? Talk to Colorado, that kind of thing. So there, that means that there is a universe out there where the Cardinals made their pitching stat move earlier. And if I follow your train of thought, then trade for Scherzer and Trey Turner, like the Dodgers did, right? Do, do, do I have that right? And the, the what if. The Cardinals trading, uh, who would have that have taken? Um, Gorman, Walker, <laughs> yeah. Libertor. I, I, yeah. I, maybe, maybe, yeah, just, fair point. maybe just one. So no. So there's no universe. <laughs> Max. So there's no universe where that happened. You're right. You're maybe right. Max, though. Maybe Max. The Cardinals. It well, but, but that was part of it, though, was yeah, but, but, Washington moving Trey. Right. The Cardinals could have negotiated a different deal there. Maybe maybe Scherzer in story. Um, I don't know. Like, can we? Can we? Speaking of multiverse, can we? I want to get your thoughts on Trevor Story. Okay. Because like, I'm not like the biggest Trevor Story fan, like, but but I I keep hearing this phrasing in chats from people that are like, you know, with what uh, Trevor Story's price point is, then um, then is he even that much of an upgrade for the Cardinals? And I'm like, I don't know, man. He plays pretty good defense. Like, I'm not really worried about the the, the home road splits. Nolan Arenado seemed to figure it out mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, and also, if you look at what Trevor Story's done offensively over like what the past three seasons, and compare it to what Paul DeYoung has done as he struggled. I have a hard time saying that that that's not much of an upgrade for a team that really lacked offensive middle infield production, especially when we don't know yet what Trevor Story's price point is. Like Trevor Story might not be in a spot where he gets the deal that he wants. And he, he might want a one year deal. I mean, he might want to play for a good team while trying to re, yeah. rebuild a value on it. I don't know what he wants, but this idea that Trevor Story could not help this team, I don't think he's the best shortstop ever but i think he could make sense for this team yeah i i I just get the sense that he's houston or yankees bound you know just the way things are lined up and everything's kind of stalled you know but you don't have carlos correa signed yet and where he goes then houston either has an opening um it sure seems like the yankees are going to have one either way um if there's a short-term look there then then the yankees would go that route because they have the young guys um i just you know i don't you know where the cardinals price point is for him um and people want to go well they they tried to trade for him at the deadline well that was a different circumstance i mean that you know that is a two-month commitment when they know that they have an opening this is a this is potentially if he doesn't come on a short-term deal and want to flip right around and do a free agency this is a long-term commitment at a position where the cardinals yeah they look down the road and they wonder who their shortstops going to be after paul de young they wonder you know is that edmondo sosa is he or is his time now um you know and Delvin Perez didn't assert his place on the death chart as the next guy. He's not on the 40-man. He will be when, if, whatever, the Rule 5 draft happens. He will be eligible for that. So, you know, the, who is it? Is it Mason Wynn? Is that the guy, you know, that they're now turning to? Well, he's got the same question with his bat. And, you know, meanwhile, he throws 98 at the first baseman. So, you know, you might see him advance even quicker as a pitcher. You know, so I think shortstop's a real question for them. And, you know, it's, it is, it all comes down to like what is the, the, 
price. I, I think one question that I'd ask you if you wanted to advocate is where for you in the Cardinals lineup does Paul DeYoung hit? Where for you in the Cardinals lineup would Trevor Story hit? And is that worth the the gap in cost? Well, it depend on, I guess, this is maybe a cop-out. But to me, I guess my theory is if Story doesn't get what he's looking for, mm-hmm. then I don't think he goes too far down the list of where he would take a non-ideal deal right. before he gets to the Cardinals. team that That's fair. Team he's watched Nolan fall in love with. Um, and, you know, and and that I think that would be compelling that Holiday would advocate for. I don't. Yeah. I just don't want to see the Cardinals do exactly what they've done, where they just take themselves completely out of the the shortstop discussion. And I know that you know them saying they they feel good about their everyday position players does not mean that they wouldn't look at um, deals that may, may find interesting. I, I just I, I'm not ready to put that one completely to bed yet because to me it's it, fair i just want to see what happens and if he ends up saying hey i'll take a i'll take a short deal and try to be, kill it in free agency that's not dominated by short stops mm. then why wouldn't he be interested in maybe maybe doing it here now if he's going to go be a yankee that's that's a different story i'm curious and i think this is going to be the thing we probably write and talk a ton about hopefully when spring training rolls around like how do they make if they don't add a player there? How do they make that work? Their biggest production gap last season was not in the outfield; it was at second and shortstop. And they've got you know could have four guys, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what, how they want to handle Gorman. Um, they got the DH, which can make things interesting. Edmund DeYoung, Sosa, Gorman, perhaps. Um, you know, they got Donovan, who could be be in that mix and you know and let Rondon go they'll have Donovan compete and and he's he should be he could be that guy who we don't talk enough about and comes in and plays a a, a role for this team but mm-hmm. five say five guys for two spots that they have to get more production from whether they mix them and match them whether they bounce them around whether somebody grabs it if they don't upgrade there that to me is the big story there is who gets the most reps but also how do they maximize it because they had a they had a well, great defensively, they had a hole in the middle of their infield in terms of offensive production last year, and it hurt them. That's a great point, and that allows us to conclude on this. And you know, you mentioned like if if Cardinals get their Christmas wish, maybe it's story under a tree. Um, you know, maybe they they need another reliever. They absolutely have to have another reliever. It would be really beneficial if that reliever were somebody who might challenge Gallegos to close. Having somebody in that spot who can either has experience closing or looks to be on the upside of closing where you're not paying for the saves. And I, I don't like – I got to stop. No, it's true um, that you're not paying for past saves. You know, somebody who, who is, at, is there to win the, the closer's job, not stay in it. Um, that, that would be really beneficial to this team. And I bring that up because I think it's safe to say that the – the National League is unsettled. If if the teams open spring with the way they are right now, who's the favorite in the National League? The Atlanta Braves, the defending champs, they don't have Freddie Freeman. But where's Freddie Freeman playing if the season opens today? We don't know. He's like not. Yankee, I'm no, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. but that's not a guarantee, right? I mean, the Yankees exist. You know, the Dodgers exist. You know, I mean, it's not a guarantee. Now, is it likely? Sure. But does that even make them the favorite if Freddie Freeman's right there? The Dodgers. The Dodgers don't have Corey Sager. We know that. 
They have Trey Turner now at second base. They got Chris Taylor back. They don't yet have Clayton Kershaw. They do have Walker Bueller, but how do they look? You know, I mean, the Padres, they have acquired pitching. They look pretty impressive. You know, is that the team with a new manager? Maybe. So, right, that's what I'm saying is like, can you, the way things stand right now, Who's the favorite to win the National League, and how wide open could that be? Oh, it's it's right there for the team that wants to to get after. It. I think the Padres should be pretty good. The Dodgers will be will be good. Oh, Giants don't have Puster Posey. That's right. the other one. And and those I would start my list probably with with those two. Um, I I think that um, you know you might scoff at this. I think the the Brewers are going to still be pretty good. I don't scoff at that. Um, they just find they just kind of. They always are. I mean, I think we gotta start. And you, I mean, Hunter Renfro is interesting. Any respect, but they get underrated and, and underappreciated here, especially. Yeah. Um, they've been a better team than the Cardinals the past half decade. That's not a small amount of time. Now they get to the postseason and flame out, but so have the Cardinals lately. So if you're using that as your comparison, then then I, they've been they've made heftier acquisitions over the course of the season they've they've had more of a go for it lean to them and i think they're they got a really competitive and smart front office that is that is trying to get after it within its realm now they might go and trade you know a, a reliever they might go and say hey does someone want to does someone want to uh, you know overpay for one of these guys but then they'll find somebody else i mean they're 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 crafty like that so i, I think they're going to be i think they're going to be pretty good so i i think that's the, that's your short list, but uh, I mean the Cardinals can't just assume they even have the division wrapped up. Now the Reds have gone the way of the Pirates. They're a ma- the Reds are the Reds are an embarrassment. I mean, after after, I just want to do my Reds rant. I mean, you and I were there for the season opener, mm-hmm. and you would have thought they were going to throw a goddamn parade after beating the, after that whole Jake Woodford. They punked Jake Woodford, and like they were like building the Castellanos statue, and and then they just. They just, just wheat whimpered, and and now it's like, well, just blow it up. It's like, good grief! Like, remember when they were like winning the off season, and they were coming. Here comes Cincinnati. It's like, get a get a, get a spine, Reds. Um, the Brewers, they're legit. The Cubs, I don't think they're gonna like. They're just weird, and I think they're just trying to flip and be be building up. So I think it's a two team division, and probably what right now, five team. NL. Well, that's what I'm asking. Is that do, it? Well, that's what I wonder. Do you? I, don't, I can't think of anybody that we should add. Here. The Mets. I don't trust the Mets. Okay. I like Scherzer, but I don't trust the Mets. Man, they they're a mess. We don't know who their manager is. Yeah, yeah. and and you just bet on the bet on disaster usually with. with <laughs> so. Uh, I think I think did they I count, think in the, in the did you decline their request to interview for the GM yet? Oh my god! Yeah, I read the I read the book about about their new owner and was like that's just not for me. Um, they must have had the wrong phone number, but uh, yeah. So you're shorting Mets stock? Is that what you're telling me? You're going to short yeah, in the in the in the language of the realm? You're going to short? You got inside info, inside and you're going to short on your Mets stock? I got it. okay. Trading. Am I missing? Are we missing a team? Let's be. I'm, um, no, the, I mean, the Phillies the are good. The Phil, maybe the Phillies. I think the Phillies are better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see that Harper had an awesome year. Aaron Nola is really good. Yeah, I, I, I think the Phillies. You could throw them in there. Well, uh, here's here's where I wonder. Do you do you think the National League is vulnerable 
or available to the Cardinals right now? Do the car with without another move? Do you think the, there is a move the Cardinals could make where they start the year as the National League favorite, which is something that hasn't been a conversation point for a while because of the way the Dodgers have been built? Do you think that? Yeah, I mean, go get Correa. <laughs> That's okay. Want to be the right. National League favorite? Go get. I mean, it's not going to be a, a reliever. No disrespect to relievers, no, they're sorry. very important, but but they're not going to be like, oh, they got that reliever, they're the National League favorite. They would have to make a splash. Matt's wasn't a splash; he was a solid move. But if okay. they want to, but they don't care about being the National no, League favorite don't. entering the season. I'm just asking, like, yeah. how close is it? One, but maybe one. the answer is it's Korea close, and then it's not close. It's hay- but how is it's it? Close? A haymaker move. A haymaker move. Yeah. Or else they're going to be the Cardinals entering the National League, where they're don't count them out. Could be, could be, could be right there. But that's where they live. So which is more likely, the Cardinals make a haymaker move and start the year as the National League favorite, or you get your leg lamp? (laughs) Cardinals are getting Correa. (laughs) I think I'll get kicked out of the house. (laughs) But if I get kicked out of the house and the leg lamp's in the house, I'll have a great view of it. You will. You will. You might have the best view of it. Would it actually be more annoying annoying to my wife if I got it from my neighbor and have him put it up so I can see it from my house? Oh, my gosh. That would be... That would be sinister. Like you get that as a gift for your neighbor so you can that's Hey, full circle, that's kinda like the Mets getting Scherzer. <laughs> we'll see him all the time in the National League and also down at spring training if You're it right. ever starts. You're right. That is it's He's exactly. the leg Scherzer is the leg lamp. Oh my gosh. Did podcasts get nominated for Pulitzers? No, this is amazing. That that's that right there is is the Christmas gift to the listeners who got this far. Thank you, Ben. It's good to talk to you, man. I hope we're in uh, I hope we're in Jupiter soon enough. Yeah, I give it a few months. I'm okay with that. It's not we we can talk in St. Louis. We we have we can go get lunch together and talk. We can do another podcast here, but not at winter warm up. No, no. I don't know what'll happen. I I do feel f- bad for the fans who. Who love winter warm up, and that's what it's about. Like none of us have raises money. None of us have jobs if people don't care about sports, right? But I will not miss all the transcribing we have to do at winter warm up. No, that's tough. It's all going to be. People should really feel bad for us for all the words we have to transcribe. You know what? It's I know that's what people like to hear: sports writers complaining. It's It's a popular. I'm not going to complain because the Cardinals have given us not not nothing to transcribe. They preemptively taking have taken transcription off the table. They're not going to talk to us, so no transcriptions. It's cool. Fred Bird did a meet and greet the other day. He's not locked out. Wait, did he say anything? I don't talk to him. He doesn't wear pants. Happy holidays, everyone! Thank you, Ben. Thanks Thanks for doing this. You're welcome, buddy. Anytime. It's good catching up. Yeah. Happy holidays to you and your family. Happy holidays to everyone out there listening to the podcast. The podcast... Uh, well, I guess there's another few weeks here in, in 2021. But when 2022 comes around, Ben, it'll be the, the podcast's 10th year. It'll be 10 years of the best podcast in baseball. 10 years of the best podcast in baseball. And the best podcast in baseball is only the best podcast in baseball because of what we've learned from the people who listen to it. You know, the ratings and reviews on iTunes, on the comments and the emails and the, the con- you know, what people tell us on Twitter, um, the complaints about the, <laughs> the, the sound at times. Um, you know, all of that has helped make this better, has 
all has helped make the equipment better, has helped make the conversation better, has helped make me better as I try to think about what uh, the podcast can do next. And Ben, your contributions to it have helped make it better as well. So thank you very much for that. Happy New Year. The 10th year of Best Podcast in Baseball. It will begin with a lockout, the first work stoppage in podcast in baseball history. Um, But just because the games have stopped and the industry has stopped does not mean the coverage has stopped. So count on stltoday.com and all of our coverage there. And the Best Podcast in Baseball brought to you by Closets by Design continuing um, as long as it takes. Happy holidays. Stay tuned. Stay healthy. Stay informed. 